Um, I, I, I want to read this morning, if I may, from John's Gospel, chapter 4. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a considerable passage, but a familiar story. So if I, if I just read it kind of at a gallop, uh, and just you follow the narrative, because you've probably heard it before anyway. So the, it's the story of the woman at the well of Samaria, John 4. And it begins by, it's, a, it's, a, it's interesting, isn't it? It begins by John describing how Jesus was leaving Judea in the south, to travel up to Galilee in the north and to do that there was Samaria in between and it, he, it says that he, because of some controversy over John the Baptist and the kind of handover from John the Baptist's ministry to Jesus' ministry he, he was leaving the south almost for diplomatic reasons and then just walked straight into controversy so this is how it goes now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples he left Judea and departed again for Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph and Joseph well was there so Jesus wearied as he was from his journey was sitting beside the well it was about the sixth hour there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of the water of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty and have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, mm, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you, are now, you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, and when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit 
and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. And no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. And meanwhile the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Do, you not, do, do not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes, and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap what you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. And many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, that, and, and we know that this is indeed the Saviour of the world. We'll uh, look at the scripture in a while. I hope the story is familiar with you. Jesus, the previous, he'd just come from a meeting with Nicodemus. He'd been with a, a member of the Sanhedrin the Knesset of his day, he, he'd been meeting with the, the hierarchy of the Jews and deliberately goes and looks and meets this woman. It, it, it says that I must go through. Now that's a strange thing. That the Samaritans, so you've got Galilee in the north, Judea in the south and this lot in between. The, the, the Jews regarded them as, un, as unclean people. That when, uh, in the time of the northern kingdom, uh, the Assyrians had come down from the north, they carted most of the people of that middle bit away and brought other nations to settle them in that area. So they were kind of half-breeds. They, they, they worshipped the Lord, and, but it was all mixed with other stuff that uh, they even had a temple, but they, they as they still do to this day, they sacrifice cockerels, not lambs, on the altar of sacrifice. So the Jews, rather, if you, if you were traveling from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, you, you didn't go straight, you went east first, then up the Jordan Valley, and then west into Galilee, because what you didn't do was to defile your sandals with that vile place and those unclean people called Samaria. And Jesus said that he must go through Samaria. Which, considering who he'd been meeting with 
previously and uh, he just seems to go comp completely disregards convention notice this taboos and public opinion and tradition and protocol he just deliberately notice he deliberately flies in the face of being politically correct and goes and meets the least the lost and the low now there are two things I just want to tease out of this particularly for us to take home the first one is the obvious one that he touches the untouchables it says that actually in the original it says that he sat on the well well the reason for that was that the well was was round but on the top of the well was the well stone which was rather like a donut apparently it's still there the well is still there obviously but the donut i mean the the well stone is also it's about five feet across it's about 20 inch, inches, I'm not into metric, it's, it's, about, it's about that deep, but in the middle a hole is cut that you could drop your bucket down. Now, one of the things I didn't realize, that there was no bucket at the well. There wasn't one of those things with a, one of these, do you know what I mean? And this lovely little wooden bucket dropped down into the water. There was nothing like that. There was just a small hole in the well stone and everybody carried their own bucket that it was made out of leather and it had cr two cross pieces of wood like that which folded flat and then the leather was right right and you carried your own your own leather bucket with you and and then when you got to the well you 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 swung the, the the, the wood at right angle which opened the bag underneath and lowered down scooped out the water now it's interesting that and apparently all travelers would carry such with them because there were no buckets at the well it's interesting isn't it the disciples must have taken the bucket with them so Jesus is by the well and he hadn't gone with the disciples so there's something just very very deliberate here it isn't an accident that Jesus is staying put and then as, as Emma said that at midday this was, so she's coming out because as, and because women went early morning to get their water and they went together the water pots that they carried they had the, the they had the bucket to fill the pot and then they carried the pot on their heads but the, the these pots were very heavy particularly full of water and you needed a group of women to get the thing on your head and then you could walk somehow i don't know the strong x um, so that, that's how people came to the well but this woman because she was socially undesirable she had a history she she wasn't hasn't isn't living in the way that she should do she came at midday to avoid other people and Jesus stays to meet this woman now for a Jew to be walking through Samaria is bad enough that a, that a Jew would never come within 20 feet of a woman on his own so that woman would had to have stayed away from the well until Jesus backed off 
20 feet, and then she could approach the well with her bucket. But Jesus was sitting on the donut and didn't back off. And the woman is a brazen woman, so she just walks up to him. Do, do, do you know, that, that kind of awkward, this shouldn't be. There's something a little bit alien about. I remember I was, used to be a teacher, and I, I was. Somebody said, you know, if you want to show how the eye works, the best eye to to cut up and show the children is a pig's eye because it's bigger. And I went into the butchers and said, you know, could I have a pig's eye? And the man looked to me in the eye and he said, this is a kosher butcher. <laughs> We're Jews. And th th there was a, a, where is the, you know that feeling of just, I've said something which is just totally unacceptable. Well, that tension is in the air when this woman comes and speaks. And you're not that in the in that in that culture you didn't if you if you allowed your eye to catch the woman's eye, you were almost making a proposal. So th this is a very awkward, very tense situation. But Jesus does it deliberately, and. Uh, speaking to this heretic, this defiled person. And he begins his mission again by asking her for something. That's interesting, isn't it? He, he doesn't kind of, you know, can I, can, I, can I bless you? No, no. He says, give me a drink. He, he asks her, which again is completely the wrong way around rather than being patronizing. Uh, and, uh, she, and she says, well, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for water? And Jesus turned to her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who was speaking to you, I would have given you living water. The difference was that the water in the well was bordered, it had been there for a while, it wasn't a spring, it was just the water, the, 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 the well went below the water table. So the water is, it's not stale, it's not, but it, it's, it's, it's not fresh flowing. And Jesus said, I, I would have given you a spring. That's what the meaning of living water. And she misunderstands. It's almost as if, well, this man won't give me a well. He'll, he'll give me a portable spring. That's great. I won't have to come to the well at midday in the heat anymore. And uh, the, the, so she, she makes that, that response. And he, he, he turns it. So he's seeking to reach a woman who is an untouchable. He's doing it in a Jew which is contrary to all protocol and he's looking to reach this undesirable woman and he, he has a word of knowledge, we would call it, and he says, bring your husband. Oh, it's, it's, it's a funny turn in the cut, it's a deliberate turn. Bring your husband. Oh, she says. Um, I, I, I've had, uh, and 
I, I better read it because it was Jesus said about the five husbands go call your husband the woman answered I have no husband Jesus said to you you're right in that you've had five and she recycled them I don't know what she did with the other five but she was now living with somebody that wasn't and in, by Jewish law if you're not married to somebody he's not your husband no, no reckoning on partners in this day but Jesus is confronting her in order to win her he's pointing out the area of her life that he need, she needs to get sorted very different to how we would do it because there's almost a sense in today in which people say oh well just come to Jesus he, he, he loves you despite everything don't worry about your past Jesus didn't do that actually the scripture doesn't do that the scripture is very pointed have you noticed this that there are behavioral patterns you know that uh, the number that um, the, the, there's, a, there's a passage in Corinthians 6 where the, that Paul says that the gluttonous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven the slanderous will not inherit the, the homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of heaven the idolaters will not it's interesting isn't it that we tend to play down the areas that God needs us to sort out and Jesus isn't condemning this woman he, he, he isn't pushing her away he's He's pointing to something that she can come free here. He's bringing her to repentance. He's encouraging this woman to, to come clean before God. And she, she is just so impacted by it. And uh, just legs it off to the town. The woman, something's happened in this woman's heart now this undesirable and she goes into the town verses 28 to 30 and says come and see a man he told me everything I ever did <laughs> again that's odd isn't it she, she should be ashamed of everything I ever did but she's found forgiveness for everything I ever did can this be the Messiah she says and while she's talking to the town the disciples have come back to Jesus and Jesus is talking about the fields being white to harvest that God wants a harvest of Samaritans we, we then verse 39 to 42 have what people call the Samaritan revival of all these undesirables all coming to Jesus and coming to faith Spencer, wouldn't you like to know what he taught them for the two days? But that, that God is gathering S Samaritans. It, it occurred to me when I was reading it. I wonder how many of the five husbands came as well. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? That, did they find forgiveness too? That, did she go knocking on their doors and say, I oh, know what we did was terrible, but come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did, and, and you can be forgiven too. Well, did all the five husbands come up the hill? I don't know. Or outside of the town. And uh, it, it's this point that God loves the least, the lost, and the low. 
that there, there is in the Lord Jesus, he doesn't overlook their sin and pretend it's not there. He, he brings them to cleansing, repentance, cleansing and forgiveness. But he, he saves lost people. He saves girls in the kitchen whose lives have been totally messed up. He, and no matter what our past is, how difficult our lives have been, that Jesus loves those who are needy and far from him. That, and, that, 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 you know, that, that this is, some people say, that the first woman preacher who, who just goes looking for... And there's something in the perspective of Jesus here that somehow we need to cultivate. Um, some years ago I was reading John Wesley's journals. And uh, being a northerner, I, I, I was interested when he moved into Newcastle. I don't think you've ever heard John Wesley's description. Um, that he, he said, I was, I was surprised. So much drunkenness, cursing and swearing. Even from the mouths of little children do I never remember to have seen and heard before in so small a compass of time. Surely this place is ripe for him who came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. And there's something about the way that Jesus, this is the first point, actually went out of his way to reach this needy, defiled, unwanted woman. The second thing I want us to notice is that, that Jesus probed at her marital past. And uh, her initial reaction was to duck and weave. That the first thing she did was to raise up a theological controversy to throw a deflector in front of Jesus to try and change the subject. And uh, because she, he, 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 he say, she says, give me this water. He says, what about your past? <laughs> so she says, ah, but you Jews worship over there and we Samaritans worship on Gerizim. And uh, therefore we're not the same. And, and, and Jesus, to this Samaritan woman, introduces the nature of what a Christian is. What many of us have come to enjoy for us, to enjoy for ourselves, Jesus starts to unpack. And this is what he says. He says, being a Christian isn't anything to do with externals, or Jacob's well, or tradition, or places, or buildings, or ceremonials, or race. It's, it's all about what God does in the heart. That's what happened with the woman at the well. That's what happened with the lady in the kitchen. He says that there is to be a spring of water, a, a living water that comes into the heart. The Spirit of God, when someone comes to faith in Jesus, comes to live here. And whether you're a Christian struggling under persecution in Afghanistan, or whether you're a Christian in relative prosperity in northern Cardiff, or whether you're a Christian in, 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 in China, where commercial pressures are being brought against you, it, 
It's not what I do that keeps me a Christian. It's what God has done on the cross for me and what God has done in here. He's saying to this woman that there is life. He would have, I would have given you living water that in your heart will be a sense of presence and reality and resource, John 7, 37, a spring of water in here welling up to eternal life. That's a Christian. A Christian is somebody who through faith in the Lord Jesus has met the Lord Jesus for themselves and the Spirit of God has come inside. <laughs> Isn't that what makes you smile from ear to ear? That, that however inadequate, however, you know, a 32% good Christian, whatever you feel about yourself, it's that God has come to you, brought you to faith, changed your heart, taught you about himself, and put his spirit in your heart. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? That, that's what he said to the woman at the well. And he, he's talking about us. There. What, a, what an amazing thing that worship essentially isn't dependent on Emma or the singers or the band or a building or an atmosphere or a crowd. Worship, says Jesus, is in spirit and in truth. The Spirit of God in my spirit. The, the cleansing of, uh, of the work of God in my heart producing not only the truth of God in my mind but the integrity of God in my heart and so that I can know him. I can know him. Eternal life has begun in here. Isn't that, isn't that outstanding? We, we don't have to go anywhere to find it. Jesus, if you're a Christian, has taken residence here. The, the longing of my heart for something to satisfy deep down has been met. I, I found the pearl of greatest price. Have you? That uh, this God-shaped blank, as, as it's been described, in my heart has been filled. I, I, some of you will re remember, it's, it's a bit dated now, he's, well, he's with the Lord now, there, there used to be a, a TV broadcaster called Malcolm Muggeridge. Anybody remember Malcolm Muggeridge? Mm. He, he was a, a, a left-wing, well, communist initially, and, uh, but, but moderated, and, and then he was a journalist and a, a, a um, how can I describe him, um, a controversialist who then became a Christian. And this is what Malcolm Muggeridge said. And this is, in, this is slightly before the days of celebs, but in his day, Malcolm Muggeridge was a celeb. This is what he said. I may, I suppose, regard myself or pass for being a, a relatively significant man. People occasionally stare at me in the street. That's fame. 
I can fairly easily earn enough money to qualify for admission to the higher slopes of the inland revenue. That's success. Furnished with money and a little fame, even the elderly, if they care to, may partake of trendy diversions. That's pleasure. It might happen once in a while that something I said or wrote was sufficiently heeded for me to persuade myself that it represented a serious impact on our time. That's fulfillment. Yet I say to you, and I beg you to believe me, multiply these tiny triumphs by a million, add them all together and they are nothing measured against one draught of that living water Christ offers to the spiritually thirsty, irrespective of who or what they are. When we became Christians, and the water of life came into our lives, we found the greatest treasure that anybody can ever have. That's what he said to the woman at the well. It wasn't Jacob's lukewarm, stagnant water. It's a spring of water. It's life that Jesus puts inside my heart and actually remember the, the prophet Jeremiah talking about those that have, have wandered from the, the spring of life to drink from broken cisterns remember and that the psalmist said in you is the fountain of life in you we seek find life and, and, and Isaiah come how everyone that is thirsty come 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 and that's what's being said to this woman here. And uh, if, if I was to read it again and remind us, that there's a progression, isn't there? Because just go back to where we started. And you, you have this woman coming to the well at midday and there's a bloke sat on the donut. And uh, she probably hesitates first, hoping that he will back off, but he doesn't. So she goes and, and approaches the well and therefore approaches this man. She would have had certain thoughts about him at that point. She gets into conversation and, and he turns the conversation and said, yeah, yeah, you've had five husbands. Uh, and suddenly her opinion of this man is changing. And she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. She, it, it then, the conversation then goes on, and, and she, by the time she's got into the town, she's saying, I think I've found the Messiah. By the time the whole town comes to him, they're saying, we, we don't believe that this is the Savior, we believe that this is the Savior of the world, not because of what you've said, but what we've heard ourselves. And through this whole narrative, everything is hinging on who I think Jesus is more than he first seemed. And, and Jesus said that if you'd only ask, I would have given you living water, which of course is very pertinent for us, isn't it? If we would only ask. If we'd only put our trust in him, he, he will put life in here just like he did 
for the woman at the well. And it, it just challenges my thinking and, and yours too in, in terms of you know, what, what, what constitutes my Christianity really. Is it coming here? Is it following a certain tradition? Is it doing certain stuff? Certain familiar things? Or is it God, as one old Puritan put it, the life of the life of God in the soul of men? Is it God working here? <laughs> because everything else is trivial compared to that, isn't it? I mean, how my life will be enhanced if more and more I drink of the water of life, like the woman at the well did. It may well be that of the town that I hear will see the change in my life and come to believe as well. Because, the, and the, let, let, me, let me just close and, and read again verse 10. It says, Jesus answered her, but shall I twist it and say, Jesus says to us, listen, this is, this is the scripture, this is what Jesus says to your life and mine this morning. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is speaking to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let's just bow our heads together. Just come in your heart to the Lord Jesus this morning. I'll pray. If it helps, pray it with me. Lord Jesus, you are the source of life. The woman was right. You're not only a prophet, you're the Messiah. You're the saviour of the world. And, and you don't save us from a distance. You save us by coming to us. That we might ask you for living water. And you know our circumstances, Lord. For some of us, we're in great trial and loss, sadness. And in our need, we know that we need living water. Some of us are faced by perplexity and, and difficulty and impossibility. And Lord, we, we come to you and we ask you for living water. Lord, will you pour fresh water? Will you cause for the Spirit of God to come freshly to my heart and life? Will you renew the reality of knowing you, of presence, of you living in my heart? Will you, Lord, pour living water that there might be in me a spring of water welling up, that rather than dryness, my knowledge of you and desire for you and delight in you might be typified by freshness. Lord, just in this brief moment I come to you and say, Lord, will you pour fresh water 
into my soul. Like this woman at the well. Like the woman in the kitchen. Will you put your life in my heart and change me from the inside out? For Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to sing a song. Parts of this of And Can It Be, because I can't sing up there, uh, that some of it is a bit of a high reach. But the woman at the well could have sung Wesley's hymn. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me who caused such pain to hit to me who him to life pursued amazing love how can it be that thou my God should die for me long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night my eye diffused a quicken she could have said all that couldn't she I hope we can too let's stand and sing um, and can it be